What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. <laughs> when the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hey, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone listening. <laughs> As our introduction just said, this is Dismembering Whore. What she did not say is this is episode 203 of Dismembering Whore. And we'll be dismembering Renfield today. Renfield. What is dismembering, Tim? Oh, wow. This question. Um, dismembering is the act of verbal... <laughs> I was going to try and say something like <laughs> smart. Uh, no, we just like, you know, pick apart a horror film. Yeah. And talk about cool things and not so cool things if there are any. Which horror films? Yeah. I mean, it's all depends on how you look at it. Right. All right. Well, Ren that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty basic. No, I just like to check in every once in a while. Don't always say it for any newcomer comers what we're doing here, but we, uh, Tim and I are both filmmakers, so we like to pick apart horror movies from an analytical lens, but as well as really delve into all the uh, philosophical musings that they can, well, allow us to muse. Yeah. And like we, the the initial impetus for this was to find movies that, for me in particular, that like actually scared me yes on the hunt yeah exactly. which i still don't feel like any one movie jumps out as being like quintessential like i'm always going to be scared by this but you never know do you have that at all i did as a younger person but now it's really hard so i don't know yeah well, like the the ones that get under your skin that's a little different than like pure like the scare of like when you're a kid that that feeling of being scared as a kid is what i would like to re yeah experience i mean i can always hope to find that but i was more just uh hoping to see good movies which i think we have well that's definitely true yeah yeah all right well let's figure out if today was a good film uh, we watched and we talked about. So uh, to start off, to set the mood, we like to to watch the trailer here. Mm. So from this fine year, what is it now? 2023? Who knows? <laughs> Directed by Chris McKay, written by Ryan Ridley, story by Robert Kirkman, and because I can't say it every day, based on characters by Bram Stoker. <laughs> Renfield. Mr. Renfield, welcome. I am Velakula. You will make 
A very good assistant. No! He's evil. We will protect you! You have the word of the most trusted institution on Earth, the Catholic Church. Your sole purpose in life is to serve me. Now, let's eat. I just want a normal life again. Our rating, Tim, comes after our trailer. What would we tell ourselves? regarding Renfield. Would we tell ourselves, talking to ourselves, to avoid, stream, rent, or buy Renfield? Do you want me to go first? Uh, sure. Oh, okay, I will. I will buy this. Wow. I praise. Yeah. This is everything that I wanted out of a Nick Cage vampire movie that I didn't get in <laughs> Vampire's Kiss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I think this is, it's really, it's it's firing on all the individual sort of cylinders of the, the, the fun horror comedy, gore, fun gorer comedy. Gore, yes, okay. I don't know what, if that's a term, but I just made it up because it seemed appropriate. How gore sounds like horror? Yeah. Okay. And like... Because it's not a scary movie. It's not like it's not meant to be. That's not its aim, right? right. Like it's but it out is of all still the movies horror. on your hunt for a film that scares so, you. Totally. This is a whole different thing. In the same way that like Evil Dead 2, like I think that it's firing in that genre, mm -hmm. which I absolutely love when it's done well. And so and I love Nick Cage. I just do. And like Nicholas Holt is cool. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against him. He's good. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's so fun. And I would just, it's like, <laughs> this is weird to say maybe, but not for our show. It's not. But like, this would be a comfort movie to me. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, I'm feeling sick or down or whatever lazy and just want to put something on. I would put this on. Just get wrapped up in Nicolas Cage being Dracula. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So. Great. I will, uh, I can't give it that high praise. I loved a lot in it. I, I Well, like I just said, I could find comfort in Nick Cage's Dracula performance. <laughs> so I have a lot of good things to say about that and about other things. But overall, it's like a solid stream for me. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Like a, like a fun enough kind of maybe Saturday mm. afternoon thing but I, uh held back by i did, did not think it reaches pull, full potential for me unfortunately okay. as uh, uh there were some great ideas in it but didn't it didn't quite entirely coalesce unfortunately i mean i can see that yeah cool um all right so cure you gave a stream to renfield <laughs> <laughs> buy it it's not supposed to make sense man <laughs> This is just what I would tell myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's see more what you'd have to say to us as we get into it more with our summary. So we got a big Renfield fan here in the house. <laughs> uh, how would you summarize this film? Give us a quick uh, lowdown just to get us all on the same page here. Okay. Well, first and foremost, coming off of the 
the original Dracula film, like what was it, 31 or something mm-hmm. like that? This is the same characters and universe. So using that, well, not actual footage, although I think they probably they probably did use a couple use backgrounds, actual, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're we're in that world. So we're in the universal monsters of the 30s world. And uh, this is the Renfield and the Dracula from then, now, whatever it is, 90 years later, I think the trailer says. Yes, retconning the other Dracula sequels, like what they did with to, oh, Halloween. Yeah, like whatever. <laughs> There's what, like 10 of them, so who cares? So it's those guys, and now we're in modern times, and Renfield is still the slave servant to Count Dracula in the modern era and is kind of sick of it because he feels like, you know, he feels unappreciated and, and at the mercy of this guy. And so he starts going to a, what do you call those? Self-help, uh, not self-help. That sounds derogatory. Uh, a support group for people who are in codependent relationships. So the whole spin is like a take on Renfield's, you know, experience in this, unhealthy relationship codependency <laughs> which i love and uh through the group he because he finds empowerment and he is able to step away and and start living his best life on his own away from dracula but the fates just decide that that's not what what is going to happen and, and dracula and uh, a, a crime family <laughs> in new orleans uh, you know, try to try to dissuade him from his pursuits of individuality. How's mm-hmm. that for a, a, a summary? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that gets at it. There's also sort of this like B story, the love story, if you will, uh, between a, a, uh, a cop who's been, uh, who's who, the good cop at the mercy of the corrupt police department mm-hmm. is trying to take down that crime family, uh, who also were the culprits of her father's death. So none other than some layered a, stuff. America's hero, Aquafina. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing to add. Uh, no, 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 uh, no tease at the end. No, there's going to nope. be. It we had great. to look it up. We were like, should we s- stick around, you know, to the very, very end? No. They they did their job uh, in defeating him without a hand bursting out at the end or anything. Right, exactly. Although they do say, we don't know if this yeah. will keep him forever. It should keep him occupied for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty. So I will say this. It's a very, very simple story. Like it's very simply contained. And I think that that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it, I, just, I think it focusing on this sort of trope of the, the support group and having everything kind of revolve around that mm-hmm. was a fun way to frame it in a simple Sort of little box until they get all killed off halfway through. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's that's two thirds of the way. That's okay, got to be the the sort of what is that called? The dark night of the soul or the all is lost. The turn moment. into three. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Uh, 
All right. Well, then there's the summary, so we can move on. <laughs> yeah. See what uh, see what I liked and what Tim really, really, really loved here. All right. Sure. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? The actors elevating it, man. That's just what did it for me. Truly. Uh, I mean, Nicolas Cage movie. Got to sort of just get out of the way talking about Cage doing Nick Cage, which was fun. Good. I heard uh, 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 that he has a quote. I was had this in Things of Note, but apparently he said, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Words to live by, truly. It was, <laughs> we, yes, when he was on screen, the movie was just shining and clicking for me. Oh my God. He's, yes, I was able to like tune in any sort of things that might've been keeping me out of the movie mm-hmm. from being able to engage. I was able just to lock in on his, as always, 1000% committal to the reality of the situation and just seeing it on his face and, uh, you know, some of those just like perfectly inspired, like just little lines that you think probably weren't even funny on paper, but just something about how he says them just tickles you the right way. You know, he has these little, like they're not, they're almost, Oh, how would you describe them? They're not like ticks. But they're little, uh, sp- like, sprinkles of flavor mm-hmm. on what could typically be considered a fairly, like, throwaway line. Mm. Where he just will suddenly add this little, like, flair that seems completely absurd and, and unnecessary and out of left field. But, like, he se- to me, he's, like, kind of the master of impulse mm-hmm. and just not being uh, restricted by should I or shouldn't I or does this make sense or not. He just does what impulsively feels like he wants to do in any given moment. And this type of character is like the perfect thing for (laughs) that style of acting without question. Like if you're trying to see him do that in some like super grounded, like overly, you know, realistic film – Unless he has, like, unless a character has some sort of, I don't know, character issue that can justify those little ticks and quirks, it doesn't feel quite right. Although, when does he ever get cast in a, a role where he isn't sort of a weird dude? He's always Nick Cage. He can't not be right. Nick Cage. But, like, there was that era of movies that he sort of did where he was... He was being cast as like this, I don't know what you call it, like borderline super cool guy. Like the Angel movie he's in. There's that like knowing and like, like next. They're like almost actually. The like or something like I'm, I'm thinking no, of dramas. I'm thinking no, of. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the dramas. Okay. I'm talking about these weird like early 2000s probably. Like he's. A detective or like he's I don't even know what the characters are. They're oh, so like they're eight so, millimeter. Yeah, like it, yeah. Well, eight millimeter is super stylized. So okay. I'll give that one a pass because it's De Palma and it's weird. But mm-hmm. but 
I, you know, snake eyes, snake eyes, knowing next, like because face off, he was even, more even like, gone in sixty seconds. He was and able like, to chew it up with face off, exactly. Because so. face off is nuts. But, okay, gone in sixty seconds. Snake there was eyes, another one where he it. like okay. he's driving a uh, drive angry or something like that. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know what. So these like weird <laughs> Ghost like, Rider. even Ghost Rider, right? Like where it's borderline superhero ish. Like he's the man, and like that just doesn't quite. Well, like he's fine. Mm-hmm. Even Con Air, mm-hmm. where it's like, is he really that guy? And it's I think it hinders him because it it like it limits his ability to be this impulsive guy that he actually in real life is. Mm-hmm. And so when you get him in something, like you get him playing Dracula. <laughs> like I saw footage behind the scenes footage of him watching a take, like doing playback and watching it. And you know, he's in the full getup, like full teeth and all of the like prosthetic and whatever. And he's sitting there with blood all over him, watching the monitor going like, <laughs> you know, like he's reveling in this. And yeah. like that to me says a lot about when you're landing with like your the essence of who you are as an actor and the perfect movie or script for that or character for that the, the essence of who you are as a person because these right. these sort of impulses right, right, right. You're, exactly. you're talking about are if something's an impulse then there's uh honesty inherent yeah. to it i saw him say a really interesting quote to the other day where he was like uh I prefer the term thespian. <laughs> I prefer the term thespian. Yeah. I prefer, I, I really I prefer the term thespian because I you know actors acting is just sort of a thing that you do but you know it's more like it's from Thespis, you know, it's like the Greek <laughs> guy Thespis. <laughs> so, like <laughs> And he goes on this thing about like thespian <laughs> what that like that was the first actor and and the word for actor in Greek actually means like some other thing. And he's like, 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 I don't remember what it was, but like that, that he, he's like, I don't want to be that. I want to be, a, I want to be a thespian. You know, that makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate his, his, well, as he put it, he's like, I'm going to kind of get, I think he said nerdy or whatever about it or, or pretentious. I think he said, and like, he doesn't care. Like that is who he is. He is pretentious, but in a very specific way. Not. I don't think it's a negative. That descriptor has a bad reputation. It totally does. It's like, why wouldn't you want pretense in something? Right. I get it. If people use it to mean too much pretense, sure, but like, sure. Yeah, to be pretentious. Like uh, uh, anyway, it's too much of a throwaway. I love bad, to wrap it up on the gushing over Nick Cage. I love that we're in this like Nick Cage like resurgence renaissance of him being cast in things that are really, really for him. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome to watch, mm-hmm. especially just like in general from a, a broad career arc thing. Like my dad the other day, because I don't think my dad realizes that Nick Cage is an amazing actor because of this like period of time where he was only doing this particular thing that doesn't like speak to his talent. Mm -hmm. My dad was like, I mean, what are you going to do? Just like cast Nick Cage in a thing like you need like a good actor. And I was like, what did you just say? Mm -hmm. Because... You know, there was 
20 years of movies that were kind of like, oh, whatever. And if you didn't see Adaptation or Leaving Las Vegas, you don't know how good he can be mm-hmm. in those 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I had to correct my dad, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and show him Adaptation. And be like, listen, he's amazing. You just need you need to peel back the layer a little bit. But I love that now he's, you know broadly doing movies that like more mass consumption movies that people are like getting to see how good he is yes again yes if they hadn't i'll uh be curious to touch more on the cage assance uh in <laughs> the our, cage assance, exactly. our uh, things of note section uh but just to round out our our cast here yeah i all thought they were great um nicholas holt holt <laughs> holt holt he is perfectly cast as in in two ways where he looks like someone who could be that old timey actor like when you see him in the old dracula footage instead of it looks fry uh yeah it's like okay he's the right type to like fit in the early 30s and the dracula or whatever as the og renfield he feels right for that and then feels just as right for the modern day, whoever the heck, you know, he kind of represents as an actor or is sure. in his essay or who the character is more so. Um, yeah, he's he's the, representing a little bit of the, the what would be a good word for this? Like he's, he's sort of a modern day, like sad, depressed, every man going through it, trying to figure out his life. Yeah, every man of that age. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, this is a thing that, like, I, I think we're in a time where people who are struggling with whatever they are struggling with, whether it's, like, mental health stuff or just, or addiction or, or really, or, or grief or trauma or whatever, we have places for them to work on that. And we're all pretty much like wearing everything on our sleeves now too. Yeah, like our, yeah. everyone's, yeah, it's, it's very different from the kind of, I don't know, uh, keep things to yourself era of. Exactly. 20 years ago, even, I don't know. What, what year does the 1930s Dracula take place is it like late 1800 i can't remember i think what it's th- more when the book takes place yeah, yeah. when is that is That's that 1700s or 1800s yeah 1800s okay like yeah okay <laughs> that mean, makes sense right <laughs> anything before 1900 all the same right <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah i mean the whole 1800s no, that, that's have, my joke like for for I, my purposes I know. it's like all just old timey stuff i agree i have a hard time deciphering until you get into like more medieval shit. Mm-hmm. Is it like Elizabethan or is it Victorian? I, I don't know. So <laughs> either way, Nicholas Halt, uh, yeah, captures a- Is those, this our second those movie with essences. him or third? What else has he been in? The Menu, dude. Right, right. He's the guy. He's the worst. Yeah, he's the guy who's the worst. Um, and that too. And then Aquafina, of course- who, uh, you being a big Marvel fan, I when I was looking back at like, what's a Marvel movie that I liked? Uh, 
Shang-Chi. And recently, Shang-Chi. And it was so just good. because of her. It was basically. just because of her. You, you're crediting your entire uh, enjoyment of that movie to her? A lot of it. Wow. A lot of okay. it. I thought the action was a little better than the other ones, like the bus fight scene or whatever. Pretty crazy. Um, but just her and her shtick of just yeah, reacting, yeah. being incredulous against you yeah. know, ridiculous things. I'm, I'm all I, for it. I will always enjoy it. I was definitely thinking... During this, I was like, that I can relate to this character. <laughs> when she's just yelling F you to like the, the cops in the department, mm-hmm. like her colleagues. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's that's my energy at work right now. She's just like a, a Jack Black for me, where it's just like everything yeah. she does is funny. I don't yeah. know. I just like it. I like her. Um all right, our actors. Well, I will say also, I want to say that the the main bad guy, the Lobos guy, who I don't oh, know. Oh, Sonic. Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz is his yeah. name? Okay. Uh, I've never really seen him in anything. I never watched, he, what was he on, Parks and Rec? Or I only or know him like as that. the voice of Sonic, which I have seen both of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never seen him in anything, but I just know of him because there's like memes about him and Andrew Garfield and the kid Steve from uh, Stranger Things, whose name I can't remember, that they're all kind of the same person. And so I've seen like jokes about that and that's it. Like I have no context for who, what would you get? What's his name? Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. No context for who he is at all. He was funny too. He was yeah. great. Well, if we're going to go past the the big three, then I got to continue to mention here, of course, Shohre Ashgadashlu. Ash, His <laughs> mom. I'm butchering her name. I'm so sorry. She is Agdashlu. an incredible actor. Because she has the voice. I could do it. Yeah. The, it, nobody can do that voice. voice. Right? That is the voice. Um, so perfect in that role. Too. I loved how she immediately just vibed with Dracula. <laughs> yes. like they were like, saw each other exactly. eye to eye. Um, and then, of course, the whole uh, the whole group that he meets with, um, they're all great, but yeah. special shout out. I got to shout out the wonderful Jenna Cannell as Carol, who has the featured bit where she's trying to Carol. tell her story every time Carol always gets so good. cut off. Uh, shout out to you, Jenna. Shout out. Always great. Original Terrifier. Upcoming film, The Build Out. All right. Hmm. Well, more that worked, I think, too. Um, after the characters for me became just like the world, the mm-hmm. world building. Where I, th- That's where I get where maybe you're coming from in the like comfort movie. Characters, world building. It's cool. It's New Orleans. The yeah. bar's funky. It's kind of like a, li- a little grimy, but also like a little clean in a sense. I don't know. I, I, I dug it. I yeah. like it. It's into good colors. I love the, the color. The way of this he soups movie. up his apartment is just kind <laughs> yeah. of fun and endearing. So just all that. And then um, it's kind of interesting intersection of the old world Dracula meets the new world mob boss. Right. But like they're going down under the sewers. I don't know. I just liked all that. I love it. Mm. I love the setting and the set decoration and design so, so much. Like, it's just, it's it's colorful in a, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of what we do in the shadows, has sort of a similar palette. Um, I just think it's fun. It's like a fun, over-the-top, like that, the design of when the hospital that they're, the abandoned hospital that is their, like, lair, mm-hmm. and the design of all of the blood bags 
hanging there around mm. his like throne. Mm-hmm. Like his new throne is is that. And I just that those little sort of detail design details are so exciting and fun to me. I also love that when Renfield breaks away and gets his own apartment, he doesn't have any context for like what it should look like. Oh, he's trying so hard. It's so endearing. Like, yeah, and so, I'm trying to be a normal person. <laughs> you know? So he's got like the most random weird self-help like posters Those, and stuff. Maybe my favorite bit it's in the whole movie hilarious. was his self-help posters that are just the most generic like circa 1995 <laughs> right. just like aspire yeah. uh persevere whatever yeah exactly are- so like then having um him paint it in this like pastel like really over the top color mm-hmm. i love because it kind of you know it, it it's a it's a nod to both the the literal well, it's the metaphor of him, you know, being in darkness all the time and wanting to like brighten it up and like have color around him. But also this sort of nod to him coming from black and white mm-hmm. and like breaking out of that, but not really knowing how to do it and do it in a pleasing way. Cause right. it, like those colors together are a lot. <laughs> and then he has a sweater that's like the same color palette i just like all those little design details i love yeah yeah bursting out of his sad (laughs) black and white world and he's still super pale yeah because he's never outside right i love all that right um just to mention it again we kind of alluded to it but yeah at the, the, the heart of this movie it's like really really working so just to to reiterate it is there's something that feels like modern contemporary good story of like guy going through this um yeah self-help journey all that that just is highlighted highlighted in such a fun way when it's someone literally from the past 90 years ago (laughs) stuck in time i don't know much just much more i could say on it but just i don't know it's that's really the heart of the movie for me i think yes i think you're right because the movie is really, really about people, individuals having to fight against a a bigger power. It's and it's a long-standing power too right. that Dracula is a perfect embodiment of. And then and then the correlation of that to like the interpersonal codependent relationship and the power dynamic in in within that. And being like, you know, the joke that Renfield is in a support group for codependents and his codependent is a narcissist is so perfect because of the broader context of what's going on, right? Like the joke that it is a one-to-one, like it's the exact same thing that your typical normal person who's a codependent is going through versus this not typical supernatural, completely outrageous fantasy world. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. Right. And I love that the correlation is, is so exact. Well, it's, it's fun too. And it's kind of like, kind of why like the, the mob 
characters are helpful for this. You know, they straight up say, oh, we're into evil. We like evil in today's <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, they get along and all that. But you have, I don't, you know, people I'm just like thinking of way, different ways people describe, well, what is that? evil what are the sort of you know words we have to describe that what's the way that we've been doing things that is not working that we have to totally be doing the opposite of and i like um i forget the author who used these terms but my favorite i mean i'm always talking about this with people just like we are here now um but uh uh it's the idea of like living in a a, a dominator society i think is the sure. word and the opposite being a, um, like, I forgot the exact Submissive? word she uses. No, like, uh, supportive of each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I see what all, you mean. all working together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to have a literal, like, face and voice of that evil, of, right. you know, of, it's been basically the self-serving narcissism, and, you know, it gets wrapped up in all that. He wants to rule the world for him. I mean, right. it's that incarnate He thinks he's thing. a god. He literally yeah. says that. But we do, I mean, it, it's, it's it's great to, since that's just you can't get bigger in in sort of the woes of our world when you're just trying to distill down how is evil manifesting in its most destructive way in our world right, right now at its people's core psychological level issues. So just to have like Nick Cage as Dracula, <laughs> uh, I mean Nick, that's Nick Cage's icing on the cake. But just that it is Dracula right. being able to like. Be confronted. He looks like this old time, you know, old, we have that association with the old movies. So to have this yeah. embodiment from that old times be there to argue with someone who is also a part of that time now right, right. is here in our modern world with a support group to support him being like, I'm not going to let you push me around anymore. And just to have those back and forth <laughs> moments, like I loved when Dracula visits him at his apartment and like yeah. judges it all. It's just... That was like the promise of the premise for this premise totally. for me. Well, yeah, it's really interesting because it is it is a microcosm of what maybe this is true for everywhere on the planet, but in particular of like the US going through progress. And there are antiquated people who want to hold on to power in the way that they did formerly. Because it's the way we've always done it. Exactly. And then there's people who are progressing and learning that there maybe is a better way that is better for everybody or like most people or whatever. And so like having, so you have that and then it's, to me, it's this really cool I'm going to have a hard time explaining this. It's what you're describing as the the evil that is depicted and framing it in this sort of like psychoanalysis way is <laughs> that's what we that's what we do with horror in the first place but we're doing it in the reverse direction. We're taking the psychoanalytic reality mm -hmm. and we're finding fantastical monsters mm. and evils and like, uh, you know, it, it, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, uh, personifications or, or like whatever of that evil. And we're making a fantastical story 
about that. So mm-hmm. like zombies represent this, vampires represent this, Frankenstein represents this, Wolfman represents this, right? So we've created these creatures and these embodiments of these ideas to express a metaphor for things that we all go through as humans. Yeah, and vampires, Dracula are generally the sort of the pleasure, self-serving above all else. Exactly. And so to have a movie that's in a weird way completely it's it's doing it from the other direction. It's like framing it in the psychoanalysis world. Mm. Right? And and having <laughs> having Dracula show up to a support group is like the opposite of what horror sort of serves or has served in a lot of ways, like how we create horror. So I just think that it's, I mean, it's it's satire in, well, in, it's in a, that way. Yeah, I love fun, that about it. It's a fun juxtaposition. Right. It totally delivers with the lines like in the trailer of, um, oh yeah, if I don't... Um, if I don't support his needs or whatever, his desires, then he won't come to full power. <laughs> right, right. And then the guy points out how weird that sounds. It's, it's great. <laughs> it is so good. I, I got to say, I think that even in, in the theater that I was in, there are so many jokes in the writing of this that people were like missing them. Like, cause they're coming so, so fast. And like, there were a bunch of jokes in the scene where the, uh, um, Aquafina and, and Nicholas Holt are in the apartment and she, he's sort of like Rebecca and Renfield. Thank you. <laughs> um, and like, there's this like rapid fire back and forth between them. And I felt like the, I'm like laughing at every single thing that they're saying, being like, damn, this, the fucking joke writing in this is so, so good. And like, so like layered and precise and people, it's like going right over people's heads because it's so facile and like just flying past you. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's great. And I think that that will sort of serve the test of time. Like the great, great comedies to me that have that kind of joke telling and writing, you can watch over and over again and you get, you pick up all these, there's so many layers to the joke writing that like every experience watching it is like kind of, you're like, oh shit, I never even realized how good that joke is. Mm -hmm. And I was like feeling that in the theater being like, oh shit, like we all, we're, we're not even aware of how good this is Mm -hmm. right now because it's coming so fast and it's our first time watching it. Mm -hmm. So, and that's part of why it like makes me want to be a bi because I feel confident that every time I watch this, I'm going to pick up more stuff. Mm -hmm. So, well, since I kind of got out uh, to uh, out the head here to accentuate the positive, what I loved about it, what what else did you love about it? Okay, I mean, I have obviously a sweet spot for like o- way over the top gore, mm-hmm. and this I like. You know, I'm like a giddy kid watching it. <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, the guy next to me must think I'm completely insane. <laughs> Because like every head that got knocked off, an arm that got pulled out of its socket, just, or like, oh! exactly, I'm going like the whole time. <laughs> like I absolutely love it because it's it's cartoonish and like it's it, it is a cartoon essentially. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, you know the anvil is getting dropped on the wily e. coyote's head or whatever, yeah. and it's to me. 
I think part of why I like that so much in the, especially in horror is because it's a, it's kind of the same thing as like the fun of getting on a crazy roller coaster. It's like, you know, you're fine. You're, you're like, it's, it's not actually dangerous most of the time, uh, mm. hopefully, <laughs> but like you get to kind of let go and just revel in the, the craziness of it. Like somebody getting their head punched off is so ridiculous. <laughs> and so when you get, when you see it happening, it's, I don't know, for me, I can do nothing but like laugh and, mm. and, 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 and like be overjoyed by the, just the craziness of it. So I love that stuff. And like <laughs> him, the, the sequence in the apartment building like whatever you would call that, this sort of typical square or rectangle. Of With the center courtyard. Exactly, yeah. That whole sequence is so, it's so absurd. He rips a dude's arms off and then throws the arms like spears and impales two other guys. Right. Like think about that for a second. First of all, it doesn't even make, like that, is beyond like physic logic. Well, he has right? insect power. Who cares? Right. But I, <laughs> he has insect power. Well put. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything about that entire sequence is so <laughs> ridiculous and over the top. And then they double down on it. Like he jumps, he explodes a dude in midair. Mm-hmm. And then they like, pause and slow-mo him to like smile and wave at Aquafina or Rebecca as he like falls through the courtyard. Like, I like those shots. These little like it's just it's just so fun and ridiculous mm-hmm. and like irreverent and like kind of what Nick Cage said, right? Like it's if like just do it over the top. Like why not? Make it absurd. Can you imagine a watered down version of this? It would suck. Like the the idea, I'm sure you could make a good movie with the same premise without the totally over-the-top stuff, but going as far as they do with like, oh, no, we're going to make this like not only super gory, absurd, but like really, really well choreographed and intense action scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like... Like Renfield is doing like acrobatic, <laughs> like like martial he, arts like, stuff, like and like that. It, yeah. it's so crazy. But it's logical, right? Like he, over the years, I suppose, with his bug power, would be you know he'd, he'd cultivate some some good fighting skills. Yeah, he's supposed to be on the level of Dracula and their kind of uh, heightened physical prowess. Yeah. So I buy it, but like (laughs) it's shot like, I don't know, a crazy, what's a good crazy martial arts film, like modern martial arts film where it's just like insane action. That's like Crouching Tiger. Yeah, exactly. Hidden Dracula. I don't know. Yeah. Crouching. Crouching Renfield. Renfield, Hidden Dracula. Uh, Yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, anything else yet? You really Um, loved... I like the, like I said before, the sort of the contained nature of it too. I got really worried when Dracula says like, I'm going to go like world domination is my goal. I was like, Ooh, I don't know that this feels, if they, 
open it up to that and that's his goal and it becomes this like big global thing, like that's where the movie goes, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. It seems too big of a idea. But like having him think that and then contain it to this little like insular world of the crime family in New Orleans, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this this feels good. This makes sense. So I just like that the, the, the containment of the story exists in a very, very small little world, right? Like it involves four people essentially. And then some bigger ideas of like the corrupt police department, the crime family, New Orleans, mm-hmm. but it's all within that. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 and the, uh, the support group, like I appreciate how contained it all feels. There was a moment where I was like, is that bad that it, that it is so kind of insular to this little story? But I was like, no, that's the point. Mm-hmm. It is just about the relationship between Renfield and Dracula. The, everything around that is just serving that, like getting to the catharsis of that relationship. Yes. So, great. Cool. All right. Um, I mean, I think all I, I kind of touched on last thing I did have, I just liked, we are, yeah, no, we already said, I like the old footage, but I just thought it was really interesting and cool how it works as a direct sequel, which I was not expecting. So good. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and like, I guess also to just add the, I just think how fun the set pieces are and still it's still a Dracula movie, even though it is dealing with this other angle, Mm -hmm. it still stays true to the Dracula-ness of it all. Mm -hmm. And I like the, the, like the design differences I think are really cool. Like they did a really good job of mixing the old design Mm -hmm. with like a modern sort of, you know, elevation of that. Which is kind of New Orleans in a lot of ways, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Gothic, old and new, new on old. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, really smart to set it there. Yeah, I dug it. I liked his fangs, too. Oh, yeah. I liked his fangs getting ripped out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That and was, then regrowing. Yeah. That was cool. And then Renfield punching him with the fangs still in his hands. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Just let, like uh, everything about it, like these every little tiny fun detail, it just makes me be like, yeah, that's awesome. Great. So, all right. Well, for a very different section, then should <laughs> we proceed as we do? Please. All right. Here we go. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> Well, kind of like you're just getting into there as far as the core of it being their relationship. Mm-hmm. Don't need to go bigger than that. I felt, at least for me, this was one where I was still like trying to figure out exactly what was not meshing. And I was hoping you could help me. But Maybe. you, uh, let's find did out. Not seem to be issues for you. <laughs> We're like, just could have used more focus on that somehow. Like that. Like the 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 trailer, it it was like hype for something that never. I was like the movie not matching the trailer on that level of like that. It's cheap to use a good song like that, but you use creep, and then mm. it's just the the 
picked great moments of their looks. And I, just on the trailer, I was like into the characters. And like, I got that like idea of like, he's got to stand up to Dracula and fight for himself. But it never like got me going on that level. Hmm. And just, I mean, I, I don't know if I could pinpoint exactly why, but maybe some elements that were contributing to that were like, I didn't need so much background on Aquafina's character, Rebecca, where it's like, I didn't need her to have like the dad who is in the police force, da, 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 da. Like I just liked her enough. And just, if she's just, you know, on for her own reasons, just as to, because she's not the corrupt one. Um, but then kind of even broader, I wondered if it was like, I wanted the, her or the support group and like, I don't know, like they were just hmm. like with both of them together. It was kind of like too much of too much, one thing too many to kind of like have it all coalesce. I don't know, because you could think she could be that figure in his life that's getting him to look at things differently since they, I don't know. Um, I think that I just, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. It didn't, it worked for me that her function in the story is the B story. Mm -hmm. Like, so I appreciate having the B story be in depth mm -hmm. to have like enough meat to it to not be reduced to just the love interest. Mm -hmm. And, and it never really becomes a love interest thing, but like it does flirt with that. Um, and so I think that if you don't have the depth of her character, it just becomes a really two-dimensional thing. Right. Well, that's that's to my point. That seems like a weird, superfluous, detail screenwriting thing that makes her less of a character for me to have it be like, oh, she has like her dad who da-da-da. Like I wanted her character to be stronger, which I just thought like Interesting. to get into her as a character more, it felt like it was being like weighed down by just these like kind of I don't know, obligatory just details that hmm. that took away from her being soulful for me. So to your point, yeah. to make her more of a character, to get me more invested in that story, I wanted it like cleaner. Cleaner. <laughs> or like let her, I don't know, simple, she shines through more. Well, I, I mean, I think what it feels like you're saying is to a certain degree maybe, had this movie been about her, if this movie was she's the lead, mm -hmm. she's the protagonist, Renfield is the B story mm. that she runs into and discovers that Dracula fucking exists. <laughs> A weird movie. <laughs> I think that you you can do that version of the movie yeah. well, for sure. And I think that that can work. Here's like, just to throw out other versions of the movie to then maybe like, you know, cause what is this all of just like, uh, so expect, maybe it's expectations, but also just my ideal version of the movie. I don't sure. know if this would be, my, this wouldn't be my ideal version. I don't know. I did like a lot what this was doing, but I could see just this story you could do like the indie movie version of it. That's just, the setting of the um, support group where like they, and <laughs> yeah. they, they like really engage in the discussions. Dracula kills some people off. They stop him somehow. You know, I right, can see right. like that 
And then something about that, you know, being done almost as a play, I could see, I don't know, just looking for where, <laughs> why, why wasn't there opportunity that in this version of the movie that we did have for like to actually get on that character level, like I'd get wrapped up in a, you yeah. know, how you want to get wrapped up in characters, which wasn't happening for me. I, I see what you're saying. And that's, that's yeah, that's just a different movie. That would be a really funny movie. <laughs> It'd be a really funny short yeah. to have the support group and like, <laughs> every, like you keep, you know, you're, 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 you're cutting around like at different days that you're doing it. You establish everybody who's there initially. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as days go on, like meetings go on, fewer and fewer people are there. Mm-hmm. And Renfield's over in the corner, you know, not talking. They're like, do you want to, Mr. Renfield, do you want to add anything? He's like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And we get to know that he's either it's him snatching people from the group mm. Or the reason he's there is like in the movie that he's trying to get away from Dracula and Dracula is the one snatching people. Mm-hmm. And that has to be be revealed at a certain point where it's like just, it ends up just being like Renfield, one other person in the group and the the head of the group being like, man, our numbers are really dwindling over here. Yeah. Like that's a funny joke well, maybe, and a contained one. Like right. I think you could make that in a small version. Maybe that's where I was getting at like the, the group being less would have been like better for me in a way it is a big group it feels like it could have or not the amount of the group the amount of that it's in the movie Mm, mm. (laughs) not the amount of people in it no because you have like it feels like yeah you putting it that way where it's like a good standalone short film like i I thought that the the group setting thing mm -hmm. was only going to be a first act thing yeah see that could i don't know because when it got when they all got killed off it kind of felt like i don't know like like we were like the movie didn't know like like the movie didn't know how to finish that movie or something but at the same time or it was just an acknowledgement that i don't know it didn't need to be as big as it was as was i don't know something about it uh i disagree only in that i i think the way they mapped it out mm-hmm. fits well with the the goal of of what the movie is sort of pointing at. Mm-hmm. If the movie wasn't so specifically about Renfield's codependence with Dracula, then yes. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a kind of a, a smaller part of the movie. But the movie, the movie is that. That is the movie. Yes. How do I how do I get out of this codependent relationship? Right. So Which- so it's you know I think it's fine. Like for me, it works because they they went full in on that concept, right? And said that's what we're doing. Well, this is all just me trying to think of, and I I think I can't put it succinctly now. Of just like I just didn't get wrapped up in the characters sure. like I'd want to for the kind of a uh, cool story and idea it is. Do you think part of that could be though that we're kind of mixing genres? Kind of, we're very much mixing genres because this is a satirical action horror comedy. Yeah, that's a lot. It was, it was interesting. It was a lot. Where actually, like, I almost, I don't know. That's why I have these warring sides of like, I want it to be one or the other. Where like during it, I was, I was wanting 
almost more from the support group of just sort of that discussion of the ideas of, no, 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 it was the opposite. Where like Mm. during it, I was like, the movie isn't landing for me with these ideas of like, oh, actually getting involved with the character. So I'm like to strip that sort of stuff away and just make it like a fast paced action romp thing. Hmm. But then I think coming out of it, I was feeling the opposite. (laughs) where I don't know so it's it's all over the place for me where that's in some regard it felt like it was one or the other and not doing one it was doing one I don't know you go let me ask you a question who do you identify more with in the movie Dracula or Renfield or Aquafina yeah any of the main characters I think we are I mean kind of like how we're all supposed to identify with Renfield and like just I want to become the best version of myself. You know, okay, that's where but I did you get. identify with the 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 self help sort of support group trope of like what his goal is, or is that just not like? I yeah, I could relate to like going yeah, just. Uh, here's a better question: Have you been in a codependent relationship? Um, I don't want to touch on that here because <laughs> I have, and I think for me. That was like, oh, damn, like, I'm really like, yeah, this is, this is what it's like. It's crazy. Like, I know narcissists, they're hard to deal with. And that's been a thing I've had to, like, deal with in my life. So for me, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it gets to a bit of that, what is that called? Um, uh, wish fulfillment, I guess, in a, in a really over-the-top way. Mm-hmm. That being able to be like, yeah, cool. Like, I get to, like exercise this this sort of like frustration that that i've experienced with narcissistic people in my life it wasn't that story it wasn't that i couldn't get in or relate on board that is just like how i don't know how well the, the the story coalesces or is written in the end to like just make these ideas hit sure like just to make me buy them as real people that i want to do you need okay but do you need to in this type of movie? For if all this is, is just like, again, like a movie not reaching its potential that I hoped yeah. it had based on the trailer kind of thing. It didn't reach this sort of like, I'm rooting for his character at the end wrapped up in it all, you know? It just was I like, d- it's just, I don't know. I don't totally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that I got enough out of the the broad strokes uh, of of the <laughs> that it's Renfield and and Dracula and, and like I think it's a yeah I think that for me like those gaps are filled by the fact that it's a Dracula movie so like what you're you're getting this almost automatic support or for me I, I was getting this automatic support by all of the actual lore of Dracula. This is going to sound mean then but it's like that's kind of what it is. It's like okay, so here's a movie that's not totally working but but look over here fun Dracula stuff, gore. I don't know. It's how I felt maybe a bit. I I mean, that's it too, where it's like even the gore stuff. So then here's the other side of it where it's like, of course I love that stuff, you know, but the way it all like looked and felt here, it would just be like, like Nick Cage turns into CG smoke and I just kind of tune out. That's my biggest did not work. Okay. 
the literally the CG smoke. <laughs> it only happens like three times, maybe. Yeah. And each time I was like, that's awful. Well, yeah. So why then, did you do that? So Don't the, do that. Then it's like the practical effects uh, explosion of the priest that comes right after, which <laughs> right. I should in theory love because it looks like it's a practical effect, actually. But I'm just still coming off the just not being there yeah. from the smoke that's making him explode. It just doesn't add yep. up to anything. That, that I think is one of the big like shit damn <laughs> well, unfortunately it wasn't just the smoke it was also all the gore the way the blood looked where okay. it was just like this i was okay with that it's just like cg but i i, I can get you on that because it is it's, very yeah, much it's cg goo blood yeah 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 that's a tough one because like and and the uh ash versus the evil dead show ha- had a challenge to try and figure that out too and i and i at times i think they were they hit it fine, but there are definitely times when you're like, the CG right. blood thing is just not well, working. It's, it's funny. I like when you described it, I liked as the actions cartoonish. That almost made me like, well, yeah. So then why, if it's cartoonish, shouldn't that be okay? But it's like, no, look at the big fight scene in Kill Bill Volume 1. Like that's cartoonish, but all practical, you know, in that sense. Yes. So that could be on board too. So every time an action scene started, it, I it would just kind of like tune out. Like maybe I would just kind of pick up on like the arms thing, but I was just, I don't know. I felt just kind of dead inside. It was not fun. Not as dead as the <laughs> Mario movie. I really did not like that. Uh, the, the new one? The new Mario movie. I have no interest. Uh, maybe. It can never live up to your favorite movie of all time. So. The original Mario movie. <laughs> um, maybe I'm just in a bad mood walking into this movie because I hated the new Mario movie so much, Tim. It's fair. <laughs> I mean, look, the other thing that w- was d- really, truly did not work about this movie had nothing to do with the movie. It was once again being in a theater with people who just, d- I don't know what's going on with them. <laughs> what, like This woman behind me and her two kids were just have full conversation. They would, uh, they were like, Granted, everybody eats and and like I'm pretty forgiving of like eating sounds because we're, you know, like you get popcorn, you get whatever you get. But when you start chewing ice, I I think that I draw the line. What's your etiquette on people putting their feet on the chairs next to you? How many buffer seats (laughs) should there be? Okay, my, my... philosophy has always been in any scenario one seat buffer even then you feel it i know but i'm i'm willing to you know if they don't move around a lot exactly exactly yeah Yeah. that that happened to me here too yeah but this so okay the chewing of the ice and the talking and the rustling and the moving around was a lot in the middle of the movie, like dead center middle of the movie, for 10 minutes straight, this woman went like this. What the hell? Talk about a weird tick. I looked over my shoulder like 20 times and, and, I, and I straight up looked at her and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she, nothing. Like she, I'm, I'm like right here. Looking back over my shoulder, and sh- and I'm looking at her, and she's just like, "Doesn't it make you just want to do that right back to her?" 
I oh, I'm not joking, and I like I have a really hard time figuring out like navigating what's too much and not you know like too little too much in that scenario because like this is a stranger and this is a person that I get, I don't know them I don't know how they'll react to this I don't want to hurt their feelings I don't want to be mean yeah but I also don't want to spend ten minutes of the movie I I it was. Every ounce of energy I could muster to refocus on what was going on in the movie because it's just like like piercing my ear hole. It was awful. So I almost got up and walked around to next to her and wanted to just be like, Miss, okay? hi. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I don't think you realize <laughs> that you are making a noise. <laughs> Over and over again. But I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> and eventually she stopped. And then the ice chewing started by her kid. And I was like, we just, we can't win. We can't win. And like every, maybe it's, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's different at different theaters, obviously. Right. Well, like, but this just. It's at least good to hear that. I like that combo of a mom and her kids going to see this movie. Yeah. Listen. I'm okay with that. These kids were- No, the, I wasn't saying you were not okay. I, I'm just I, trying I, to- But no, I, what I'm saying is if I'm okay with that, these kids were age appropriate. Yeah. I was not okay with the like six other families that had like four-year-olds watching <laughs> this movie. And the four-year-olds are like tr- fucking traumatized walking out. Like, I'd like what? stop bringing kids that young to these horror movies, dude. Like what is going on? Wow. It really blows my mind. As somebody who is quite young watched horror stuff, it was traumatizing yeah, to me too. That's to to be like those four-year-olds, Tim, to be able to watch Renfield from their perspective is all you want, right? You want the gore and intensity to be that earth-shattering and real to you. That's what you said you wanted coming into this this podcast. Ah, uh, not at four. No, not that you. I mean, I'm just saying if you could have been <laughs> one of those kids when, um, there, I'm saying there's a way to get at what you're talking about is when you're young and more susceptible. Like, yes, yes. But I think it's what I'm saying is I think it's irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. No, I get I that. Think, yeah, but I'm just saying but if I you get, could choose. I want to go back in time to be a four year old. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> my, I think my four year old self would. Oh man, when was I four? In Indiana. Okay. Oh, dude, it would have shattered my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so did it look like that's what it did to these kids? Yes. <sighs> so why can they see CG ex- blood explosions and feel it's real, but I can't? Well, I mean, I don't know. Because you, cause you've seen versions where it's better. Yeah. So, you know, or you're, you're just becoming a, uh, a curmudgeon. It's just these modern CG movies, Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Back it, in my day, when it, we had practical effects. It gets me really excited if I'll be talking to like the younger generation and when they're just straight up say stuff like, I hate CG. It just warms my heart that there is a. Uh, an emotional response yeah. that's not just because of this, like we grew up with it thing. It's because they, they're, I mean, hearing people I've talked to, it's like, yeah, no, it's, how is it exciting? It's like, you just can just 
right. do it, you know? That's interesting how different their perspective is. If you, yeah, if you grew up basically only seeing CG Yeah, so stuff, they, like, were little kids with, like, the OG Harry Potter movies, you right, know? Right, or, like, right. the OG Spider-Man Amazing. movies, you know? Yeah, which, that's that's really interesting. Man, I feel old. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. You've got even one on me. Yeah, one. As as far as just sort of these generational divides Tell that me we about put it. down. God damn it. <laughs> but it's nice. I'm trying to embrace a new era <laughs> for myself. Like Renfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's nice that we can all maybe not be excited about CG smoke. It's such a bummer, dude. You can do, like, particle simulations can do smoke really well. And for some reason, this just did not look good. Or how cool of a, a technical thing to figure out how to do that practically, you know? Combining miniatures version of the smoke coming out and you get your your world's second top smoke expert in. <laughs> and like, he knows Wait, what? that the Is smoke the first of this top material- smoke expert busy? He doesn't have time to play oh, around with gotcha. this Hollywood whatever That's stuff. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but someone who knows, like, okay, well, this thing lights on fire and makes smoke that works this way, but then it won't be the right color, so then you got to add this to it, but then that makes this chemical. Like, that's what's cool. Yeah. You feel that when it comes out. Okay, like, I, I can get on board with this idea that they missed an opportunity to utilize technique from the 30s movie or era. Mm. And integrate that into this. They did it with the sets, yeah. Exactly. So, like, if you had, maybe it changes the movie too much stylistically. You don't have gore like that in the 30s, so right. It wouldn't be. But I'm saying, like, you know, so like, you know, I I I can't think of it. Oh, there's one other thing that is related to this that I'll try and remember to say. So, like. I, I don't know if this is actually a thing that happened in the Dracula movie, but I can imagine the edit of like him going up in smoke. Three edits on the editors on this film. No, I mean in the original Dracula 30, 1930s movie. Like I can imagine oh, yeah. how they did that, right? They had Bella Lugosi, right? Yes. Yeah. Man, my brain. They had him standing there. They basically took a plate and then they had him move and they set off a smoke bomb of some sort and the same, you know, lockdown camera and they just splice it together. And that has a very specific feel, that that style of editing, that like old black and white silent film See, editing. Had they found some sort of way to give that feel... In this, That's, I wonder if it would have been f more fun. I think that would tune out modern audiences, though, in a way where it's just like kitschy, and then you're just taken out of the action. Because I know I'm not, I'm not, I might be the exception to the rule of, yeah, p of you know, people could engage with the CG I hate so much in this movie. Well, certainly, certainly, like I, even the the way, way he the, the bats he turned into, I was just like, okay. That, yeah, at that point, we're just in modern, like, 
modern CG like world. We just, to me, you just accept that that's how you do that effect now. I don't want to. Well, I know you don't want to, but I just, I'm moderately forgiving. Yeah. Until I'm not. Like the smoke, I was not forgiving of. All this, those, the bats, I was like, yeah, okay, the fine. The frustration, though, speaks to, I think, all that, that there's a, such a good idea at the core and like such a good cast around it. So it's only when I see this sort of, when plenty is working, I see the potential. I can get yeah. especially frustrated of like, I don't know. It's it's the thing we always come back to too, where it's like, as if making trying to make something better is somehow taking a bigger risk. I don't. Uh, that is that whole that whole thing. It's like people is that, and that's I don't know that's that we the can Mario movie that. in a nutshell, Tim. It's like what's yeah. the safest, most uninteresting version of like these cartoon characters? But we that's, can but that adapt. is the problem. Is that there is always this conversation of the 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 widest net you know for capturing like how how can we spread this story out enough to capture as many potential viewers and i think that's a really bad way to make movies mm -hmm. uh, you know i don't think that you know even in recent years t taking like a superhero movie uh you know, one of the ones that popped off unexpectedly the most was the first Guardians of the Galaxy, mm -hmm. right? And I don't think that James Gunn, like him or not, I don't think he went into that movie going, how do I capture as wide of an audience as possible with this Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Mm -hmm. I think the reason he got hired is because he, uh, you know, said, I want to make a movie about a, a, a fairly obscure superhero group in the Marvel comic universe that people will mostly never have heard of and have no real connection to. And I'm just going to do my thing. Are you hyped for the new one? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm, do whatever. you have any Marvel hype these days? It's pretty low. Okay. <laughs> you let it chill. I mean, I, yeah, I'm suffering from a little bit of a malaise with it all. It even got to you. Yeah. Well, this is all pretty things of note. Should okay, we move no. On? So, okay. my last, my very last one that is connected to what we're talking about. I don't understand why this is specifically connected to the homaging of the original film. They bring Dracula's coffin into the whatever crime family's estate. <laughs> they close the shutters, they open the casket, and he gets out of it face down like he's standing up like he was laying face down mm. what what are you doing dracula doesn't lie down like that just do the thing why are you shying away from the thing where he's on his back and then comes up y yeah it's the most dracula thing that ever dracula yeah how are you not going to do it? I'll never forget. My friend, he's, one of the funniest things he said, I can't replicate, but he was talking about uh, one time we all went to like, this is forever ago, like the all you can drink beer festival at the Paramount lot. I forget what it's called. <laughs> wow. But he talked about like afterwards, he's like, oh my God, I'll never forget. Like afterwards I passed out uh, and was lying down like Dracula. And I remember <laughs> it. He was there just... <laughs> exactly what he meant. Like if you want to make that shot look cool or 
different than it's been done in the past, no problem. Fit, you can figure that out. I think I would, if, if you, I was thinking, okay, like, why, that like why would they want, why would they do it this way? It's a shot from behind him and he's rising up. That's cool. Uh, if you need to not see his face in that moment, if you want to see the people in the background seeing him get out of the coffin, you can do that shot and still have him rise up. I can see them being behind. like, no one's going to notice or care. And there's Tim. Angry Tim. He noticed. And I guess they should have had him Where, like. What's his name? Chris McKay. We need to have a conversation. He could have like Where risen, like standing creepily, but then it wouldn't have been the same. It's just, no. it is hard now that you mentioned it. Yeah, this seems so wrong to have him be like, he's lying face down like this. He just would. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't do yeah, that. He's a stomach sleeper? Yeah. Dracula's not a stomach sleeper. Come on, guys. Side sleeper at best. Well, I'm glad it didn't uh, reduce your rating in the it end. It didn't. I just was flabbergasted <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> it, it, you know. It was one notch down of flabbergastment from the noise that I was hearing. I hate mouth sounds like that. It's wild to me. All right. Next section. Yeah. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. That is interesting... Where we're at in this whole cage business, Tim. Okay, great. So I did not see the, unbear- the unbearable weight of massive talent. Bro, that movie is so good. Is it good? It's amazingly good. I You might not like it. I, heard I don't mixed know. Things. Okay. I absolutely loved it. It's got good. Pedro. It's got Nick Cage. So point me, I can't speak to it, but oh. I was wondering if that and this movie, which unfortunately both did not do well at the box office, it's interesting to see. Wait, that movie didn't do well? It did not. Wow. I don't know. I There's a part of me that, I don't know, maybe this is just a, a lame justification that, that we're still in a weird you know, land for movie going. I mean, like for box office. Still don't. I mean, we're you know the age of the star is being a, a box office draws for sure. Yeah, yeah. Over and done. But as far as like specifically hmm. the cage thing and what's going on with the kinds of movies he's been doing recently. So we know he's been up. I thought this was interesting. Not since Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance in 2011 mm-hmm. has he done what would be considered a major studio live action film. That's the that's the, wow. the spec on it. So I don't know if that means his first if he hasn't done a major studio film or specifically a major live action. Wait, no, wait, no, yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's go like done a voice or something. I don't know what that oh, means. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh but basically since then he's now been doing either like the super low rent, you write Nicolas Cage a check for a million dollars, he'll show up. Right. Or you the, think it's a million? Huh? You think it's a million? That's his deal. Yeah, that's what you hear. Get him a million dollars, he'll do your movie. Um, Paying off the debts for two-headed snakes and stuff like that. Dinosaur Dinosaur skulls. skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But since then, so he's done, I feel like, my general, 
I don't know if it's actually right or not, but like if I had to describe it, which I am right now, like it seemed to either do those kinds of films, write him a check for a million dollars. He'll do like the whatever, low rent, whatever, Willie's Wonderland type thing, but like other or action movies, you know, just tuds. Like you look at his filmography, what he's done the last 10 years. Yeah. Or you have the more like Spectre Vision horror, which right. I do really like. So you have the Mandy, you have Pig. Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space, Mom and Dad. Yep, yep. So I can't help but feel like Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and then this film, Renfield, is somehow trying to like capitalize on that or like take... I don't know. I don't want to say take the best of both worlds, but it feels like they're sort of recognizing there's something there. Yeah. All right, Nick Cage, he's got this appeal of these sort of like horror-like or horror comedy kind of films and is like, those are all great movies. He contributed to the greatness, as he does. <laughs> but but then for me, I don't know. It just seems like this one, then you're taking the worst of the kind of mainstream movies in a way and like- combining it with that and then what do you mean the worst the cg we were talking oh, okay. about the what i was the worst to, aspect yeah you mean. yeah okay. the sort of at least for me the story that didn't add up to making the character click in the end yeah all that stuff i don't know so nothing really to say about it but just interesting <laughs> looking at their trajectory and just feeling like these were this this was like a mainstream attempt at like whatever he's been doing just outside of mainstream of you know big budget Hollywood. I, without knowing anything, would venture to say that I think it's just a a result of two things. One, yes, that he's done a bunch of these sort of lower tier or budget genre films, but have been received really well. Like people really, really like that culty sort of thing that he's been doing. Cult level films. That's a good way to describe what right? I'm saying. And so there's, there, yes, there's an audience that has grown to either appreciate or be invested in that. So, yeah, Renfield and Unbearable Way of Massive Talent feel like it's as if you're trying to get the mainstream into that cult in a way. So it's I just, disagree. I don't, I don't think that there's anybody trying to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think that there are fans of Nick Cage who are making movies right now. Right. Well, I, That's what I, I think is going on. I shouldn't say consciously trying to capitalize it on it. I'm just thinking of like, how would you describe them? Like what's out there? Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it's a conscious decision of like we're gonna capitalize on this cool cage essence but it seems like it's it's kind of like what it is even if it's not intentional i don't know, you know I don't, yeah i don't i don't, know if I don't it matters get that, which way i but. don't get that vibe i guess is all i'm saying mm -hmm. i my the vibe i get and especially from like lo watching interviews and stuff with with the directors and writers of these movies is that they had concepts and then we're like who would be my dream casting and they're fans of Nicolas Cage and they're, he's their dream casting. And then they ask him and he says, yes. right. Which is the case for Renfield too. So same, for you know sure what I mean? Where it's sense. just like, it just feels right. Right. So maybe I'm just 
I don't know if it's a way of just, I don't mean to continue. It's, it, to, I think what you're, you're talking about kind of like modern filmmaking and, and, and in a certain genre of filmmaking yeah, that is less appealing to you. Maybe I'm just thinking of a way to describe what it is and what it's doing. Or I just, that it's, I'm not saying it's intentional or any grand thing about, it, but that's interesting to me that it feels like it's all like, yeah, a more mainstream version of like Nick Cage would be my dream role for this horror comedy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I, I, I don't think it's, for me, it's, it's just the, it's just a thing that's happening. It's <laughs> not, I don't think that there's deeper meaning, I guess, is for me at, at least. Well, maybe then I was just coupling that with, it was interesting if he hasn't done a live action, big studio film since 2011. Well, there may be all sorts of reasons for that. <laughs> well, it's cuz like the films you described at the beginning, the the snake eyes, all that stuff, like those stopped having a return on their box Absolutely. office at a certain point. So yeah. that was probably But maybe he also was like what, what am I I mean, what am I getting right. out of this anymore? Well, money is what he always was. like I right, was, but maybe that's not like I don't think money was he does not strike me as somebody who's doing it just for the paycheck. He has fun, for sure. He's doing it he because commits. he loves being an actor well, a, I mean, or a thespian. And I, I think that... I, I was talking about those million-dollar paycheck movies that he was literally doing just to get out of debt when I said that. But I'm not trying to group it with... Yeah, okay. Both are true. Uh, right, right, right. To, to say he was doing a million dollar paycheck movie doesn't mean he doesn't also love acting in right, something right. like I was up like up till about maybe that Ghost Rider movie 2011. I would see every Nick Cage movie that came out in theaters. <laughs> so I saw the National Treasures and then uh, the sort of like Circa living down here. I went and saw the um, he was in the live action sor what do you call it Sorcerer's Stone. The, no. What's the oh, Mickey's? Oh. That no, one. I know what you're talking about. The Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Apprentice with yes. Jay Baruchel as the Sorcerer's <laughs> Apprentice. Yes. I went and saw that and I went and saw the Ghost Rider movies. So it was, <laughs> I was like hanging on to like Nick Cage's big Hollywood films that he was getting cast in. Was sad to see him stop getting cast in them, but not until, until now he's back. So I think part of also what you're describing is who are the decision makers and what's their generational connection to him, mm -hmm. right? If if the people, the powers that be that were like saying yay or nay to casting Nick Cage were of the generation that had seen and felt a certain way about the trajectory mm -hmm. of his career, if those people have started and probably have started to move out of those positions of power for whatever reason, age, or or they got fired or they quit or whatever, the people who have replaced them are likely a, a younger generation group of people who have just a different feeling about him as an actor and whether or not they would want him in their movies. Right. They aren't going, oh, he's just in that Sorcerer's Apprentice, which bombed. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. They're not going... You know, knowing made no sense. Why did he even do that? And his and his hair looks really bad in it. Like they don't care. They're going. <laughs> I loved Face Off when I was seventeen. Yeah, they're going. I loved Sorcerer's Apprentice when I was twenty five. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they're not the people who are going. The last great movie Nick Cage made was Raising Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. A little, I guess, just wrap up on Nick Cage. Not that we ever do fully. <laughs> 
but uh, from Jake's takes on YouTube, I was watching an interview with him. And uh, just, just it was fun to hear how he was, where he was taking things for his performance. And there's a lot, th- th- then he had six other, like on Wikipedia, it's like, oh, and here's six other things that aren't here as far as where he was being inspired by his role. So he is all over the place for a little context. Oh, but the question was, um, or first he was saying uh, the, uh, he took this kind of mid-Atlantic accent from his uncle, which I thought was mm, interesting, mm-hmm. which wait, we talked about this in Vampire's Kiss, where he got his voice from. Oh, Wasn't it? Was that a mid-Atlantic thing maybe. too? I don't remember. So anyway, that was the that's where I was coming into when then the, the question came up. Jake, I guess, asked uh, to the to him and um, Nicholas Holt, uh, any actor who you're intimidated by working with, you've worked with. Of course, Nicholas Holt was like Nick Cage, but Nick Cage was like Anne Bancroft. And oh, honeymoon yeah. in Vegas. And he's such a fan of hers. And he said that what she did in The Graduate made his way into his Dracula performance. So he just kind of went on this tangent of <laughs> like, I'm such a fan. I was intimidated by her. I'm also such a fan that that performance of hers got into Dracula for a bit. And then uh, kind of like almost as an aside, but I liked the detail uh, he's like, oh, and uh, my father, August, as far as uh, who got into Dracula. Yeah, so- I, I saw him talking about his dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, catching up on Cage. Catching up on Cage. I feel like we Our also, side segment. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> we also got to catch up on this is part of the what has been a long ongoing attempt to, on Universal's part to get going a new dark monster verse yeah. uh based on all their their OG IP. It hasn't been going great. So yeah. So there's this and then it came out uh, a handful of years ago now, but it's kind of stands I was surprised how much I it really worked for me was uh The Invisible Man. Oh right. I really like Are that. these supposed to be in the same universe? I don't think so. Let's hope not. <laughs> Come on. But then the other one we have coming up that's in the Drac that's a different take from Renfield. I don't know if you saw the trailer oh, before, the, yes. the Demeter movie. The, about I think the that ship. looks super fun. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what to say about, it, but just checking up, it's interesting to see what they're trying. They did Invisible Man to Renfield to Demeter. Yeah. And then they try and f- it it didn't come out. Um, the Jekyll and Hyde movie with Russell Crowe, the Mummy movie well, I mean, with we're Tom going Cruise. For the, I mean, like those that whole. I just attempt, didn't mention those because that was a while ago. Now, yeah, but that's they, where it started. It, it really has it Dracula Untold before the Mummy, and that was supposed to be a part. I mean, they really that. I think it's a really challenging prospect to 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 interconnect. Well, it's these yeah because it's, it's interesting to see them. I don't trying. know why you would want. I, I I don't think it's unnecessary, it's thing. right? That they have, right? Just so then we can put them in a movie together, just like we did a hundred years ago. We don't, yeah, need it to be the same actors, whatever, whatever. Also, they're they're not the Avengers, right? Like there isn't, <laughs> like there isn't some sort of like broad, well established source material that makes us go. This is the thing that we need to do again. Lead all leading up to the Monster Squad. Yeah, exactly. Monster Squad remake. No, uh, no, I just think it's interesting to see how 
they're just trying really different tones mm-hmm. and just with their with their IP. Yeah. So, anyway. Well. Uh anything uh you got things to note? Nah. Right. I was looking for more Nick Cage stuff. <laughs> One thing about these, like I, I thought was interesting was the detail of the bug turning him into the superhero, which I'm looking at your Spider-Man picture when I say that, um, where it's just like the kind of thing, I think it's in the original Dracula book as just a sort of detail character. And then the movie, it's just like, you know, it's just what he does, but something that's so it's, it's just sort of a fun, nice detail that's almost inconsequential becomes i'm saying like it's it's interesting how we look back at like these old properties and the old films specifically and we'll just things that were smaller moments Mm. or whatever they become like holy moments or totems that are like the you know the, the the book of dracula in the sense or like you know the book of star wars with the way that this creature said this thing whatever it's just like yeah, it's like oh, it's a, what when we think of Renfield, yeah, most but, people, if you had to say describe Renfield, they're gonna be like, oh shit, who is Renfield? Uh, he's a crazy guy. He he eats bugs. Right. So it's just interesting, like what catches and then yeah. makes sort of our larger consciousness about these characters. This is a detail in like Dracula, Dead and Loving It, with Peter McNichol as Renfield. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, or your best friend, Tom Waits. Why is he my best friend? Because I, I liked know. Dead you, Don't Die. Yeah. He's in that. Wait, was that him in that? Yeah. Anyway. He um, was Renfield in the Bram Stoker's one. Right. So not my best friend. Because uh, I can't speak a lot to him. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. No, just think that's fun and interesting when like, what will the larger consciousness will kind of latch on to. And then on top of that, just how it's like they're made even bigger or like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's yeah, interesting think, effect you know, that happens. Yeah. I think it's just a result of saying, okay, if we make a movie about this character, what, what goes on the board of attributes and what can we exploit and right. not, but just, it's, it's, I just fascinated with this jump cut. Imagine Bram Stoker writing, you know, lived <laughs> on, on worms and flies and just, Great, he's done yeah. with it. And then cut to over 100 years later or whatever, he's like eating bugs as a superhero <laughs> and, and saying words like, I have to get bugs. And yeah, go, yeah, takes the ant farm. Bugs are his superpower. It's just like fascinating to that, to that. It's, it's definitely a expanded take. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what I got. Should we wind down here? Yeah. All right, some recommendations, quick recommendations. Ooh. <laughs> Surprised every time, every Tim. Every time. We only wow. <laughs> for 203 here. What could I recommend? Well, then? I cannot not recommend Dead, a new Ari Aster movie when there's a new Ari Would Aster you, movie. I, you got to go see it. And I didn't even know about this. <laughs> yeah. Rude. I got to go see it at uh, the, the- Famous people were the there that would have been fun to see. Oh my God. It was, everyone was there. It was, it was it, like actual cool, fun celebrities. Yeah. I mean, okay. It, how was it? It was great. It was great. Good. I loved it. I saw one thing saying 
you know, like, meh, mixed feelings about it. And I was like, I don't want to know anything. You're going to love it or hate it. I've avoided everything. The only thing I've seen is the poster and one shot of Joaquin Phoenix running through (laughs) a street. Great. That's all you need to know. I don't want to see anything My friend Ben, who is lying down drunk like Dracula, gave it half star on Letterboxd, (laughs) and I gave it five stars. I kept going between four and a half and five, but I was like, for just the essence of like the the movie just in its existence at any given moment, even even on a first viewing, something wasn't like, I, I don't know, whatever, like... It's still like the movie itself that was happening was always five stars. I could not give it that rating. Interesting. I thought it was incredible. I think the challenge for me going into it is going to be like complete lack of expectation. Yeah. I can't go in being like, is it going to be Midsommary or hereditary E? Is it going to be... Ari Astri, like you know what I mean. Like I need to just it's let okay. it. Okay, if you've all seen his go. short films, you can I haven't. Be, okay, it is. I safe just to need go to let in. it go. It's safe to go in Ari Astri if you, because I mean he made it, <laughs> so that's okay, uh, right? But like whatever that means to your brain, based on Hereditary mm. and Midsummer, like so I went into Midsummer having I, I like. I just didn't know what I was getting into because we had only seen one of his movies. Mm-hmm. And I did, I was like, it's obviously nothing like that movie. Cause it's like, we've seen the trailer. It looks totally different, totally different vibe. But now we, I feel like we go, Oh, Ari Aster. And like, he's now done two things that we were right. like, mm, those are amazing. So this better be amazing. And I don't want, I don't want any of that. Well, it's playing, um, IMAX this week. And, uh, switches over Thursday it starts playing an IMAX at the TCL Chinese Theater okay for a week so food for thought it's put out in LA and New York right now well I better get on it well what do you want to recommend dead oh, um uh the original piranha oh Joe Dante we were talking about him as we often yeah. do yeah it's really ridiculous and I don't even think it's that good of a movie but it's worth seeing. Yeah. It's fun and crazy. And <laughs> like there were every time and like I've seen it before in my life, right? Like I saw it when I was a teenager a couple times. I remember my brother and I watching it. And like we used to joke about the sound that the piranhas make. And like I every time the sound would start up, I was like giddy about it. <laughs> it's such a it's what such sound a, do they make? I it's I, it's impossible to recreate. <laughs> like it's not a the thing your bo- like human voice can make, but it's this like right that's thing, and like it's just hilarious. Kind of like I, that with bubbles. And I will say, it's really remarkable what Joe Dante was able to do in the edit because obviously none of the underwater like close up of Piranha eating hands and feet and legs and butts and whatever was shot on location, right? They, they went and they shot that in a tank somewhere after the fact. And it is seamless and perfect. Like he, I, and I guess he was an editor. I didn't realize this until recently that he was a, an editor long, you know, longstanding editor oh, yeah, as well. The, he, the movie orgy was a whole found footage movie that he made. That's like yeah. five hours long. So like he's, obviously not just a talented director like he's an incredibly talented filmmaker across the board 
And yeah, it's just really fun to watch and to watch something from a director that you admire, like an earlier on thing that he did. And it's it's got some really, really great stuff in it, even though it's a pretty dorky, corny Jaws ripoff. As Spielberg said, it's the best of the Jaws ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, all right, it's fun. Cool. So check it out. All right. Well, then that's it for uh, that's it for Renfield and some recommendations. So, in closing, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Oh, Thanks for listening. That's tr- very true. We will see you next time. Good- Goodbye. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!